Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians tonight, and we're going to answer the question, what happens when I die? What happens when I die? You know, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about it, and, um, and we want to look this evening and see what God's Word has to say about it. And, and uh, to be fair, there are those who would say that the answers that we're going to give tonight are wrong, and there are also those people who think there's more than one answer right? There's more than one right answer to the question of what happens uh, when I die. I've even heard some people, some, you know, different pastors kind of give different thoughts on this, but we want to see what God's Word says. Because you can give an answer, it can sound like the right answer, and still be absolutely wrong. I found this, a pastor had shared this, and so I had filed it away, and it was about a, a, a student that took an exam, and I think he should have made a 100 for uh, creativity and imagination, uh, but he didn't get a 100 because these weren't the answers that the professor was looking for. Uh, tell me how you would have graded this student with the answers he gave. Uh, first question was, in which battle did Napoleon die? And he said, his last battle. Amen. He said, he had, the question was asked, it was a history class, where was the Declaration of Independence signed? At the bottom. It sounds like some of you have taken this test before. Let me give you this one. What's the main reason for divorce? Marriage, Marriage husbands, hush up. <laughs> Marriage. What's the one thing you can never eat for breakfast? Lunch. There you go. Or supper, dinner. What looks like half an apple? The other half? Listen, some of you sound just like this boy that took this test of mischievous kids here tonight. Uh, you have to admit that while he was giving good answers, and some of them were actually right, what looks like half an apple, the other half, they're not what the professor wanted. They weren't necessarily correct. Uh, he was stumped and probably didn't even know it. And so the question we're asking tonight isn't a new question. It's a question that was asked thousands of years ago by this guy you've probably heard of by the name of Job. Look in your notes. Job 14 and verse 14. Job said, if a man dies, shall he live again? In other words, is death a period in your existence or is it a comma? It's an important question because there's something that life has in common with the street, a book, and a movie. This physical life has an ending. We know that it's true. And you've heard the statistic, 100% of people so far have died. Now, the, so the question, look at this slide. The first question, though, you just got to answer this. Do you believe in life after death? Right? I heard about a young man who called into his office. He called in sick and said that he was going to his Nana's funeral. Right? He was going to be gone for two days to go to his Nana's funeral. He got back to work, and his supervisor asked him and said, said John, do you believe in life after death? Right? Do you believe in life after death? And John was kind of confused and looked at him and said, yeah, I, I do believe in life after death. He said, that's good because your Nana came by yesterday wanting to meet you for lunch. <laughs> Amen. Listen, but the question is, do you believe in life after death? Because honestly, if you don't, uh, believe that, then really none of these questions even matter. Now, obviously, I do, and I'm sure most of you do too, but there is a difference of opinions what happens after death. But if, if this life is all there is, then none of these questions we ask really matter. If you hold to a purely materialistic, postmodern, secular worldview that all there is that we see is all there is, 
then it really doesn't matter. Dr. William Lane Craig put it this way, and he did it really well. He said, if each individual person passes out of existence when he dies, what ultimate meaning can be given to his life? Does it really matter whether he really ever existed at all? It might be said that his life was important because it influenced others or affected the course of history, but this shows only a relative significance to his life, no ultimate significance. His life may be important relative to certain events, but what is the ultimate significance to any of those events? If all the events are meaningless, then what can be the ultimate significance of influencing any of them? Ultimately, it makes no difference at all. And while Dr. Craig is saying this, look at this next slide. If there's not life after death, then really all the other questions don't matter. Right? We're just wasting our time. None of, none of it matters at all. It doesn't matter who you are because there's no life after death, then you're a nobody. It doesn't matter why we're here because there's no reason to why we're here. It doesn't matter what standards you live by because whatever co moral code that you live by, if there's no life after death, it's completely insignificant and it's kind of silly to live by any moral code at all because nothing matters after death. And so the biblical answer to the question, uh, is there life after death, is absolutely yes. So what happens when I die? Now, one of the best answers to this question, and probably the most comprehensive in all of Scripture, is when the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. And I believe these biblical truths best fit the reality of both life and life after death. So take some notes tonight. Number one, write this down. We already touched on this, but we know that we're going to die physically. Everybody dies physically. All of us will die. If the Lord tarries, we die physically. Now look in your Bible at 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter number 5, and I'm going to look at verse number 1. It says this, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, Paul here is describing your body as a house. I'm looking right now at a bunch of houses. There's some big houses. There's some small houses. There's some tall houses. There's some beautiful houses here tonight. And there's some run-down old shacks, and you know who you are. Amen? Now, it's important that you just self-identify, okay? I'm just going to look up here. I'm not going to make eye contact the rest of the service. Listen, it's important that you recognize that you are not your house. You, re you realize you have a house, you have a home that you go to when you leave here. Uh, if not, you, you ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here, right? You have a place that you go, that you dwell in. When you get there, you don't become that house. You are living in your house the same way the true you is living in this house. You are not your house. Your house is not you necessarily, right? A dog lives in a dog house, but a dog is not a dog house. Scott's going to live in a doghouse for all of eternity tonight. He said, man, I'm sorry I'm late. I live with three women. And I thought, that mic's on, brother. The whole world just heard you say, no, nah, I'm kidding. Well, they did now, right? <laughs> oh, man, I owe you. I owe you. Listen, you move into this house, <laughs> you move into the doghouse the day you get married. Listen, you move into this house the day you were born. And on the day you die, you're going to move out. In a very real sense, People don't get sick, their bodies get sick. People don't age, their bodies grow old. That's what Paul meant. If you go back to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, he said this, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Have you seen that in the mirror? Right? You're like, where did that come from? That crease, that wrinkle, <laughs> that roll? <laughs> what is going on? Right? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man, your house, 
is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. It is, we're growing older on the outside, but yet it's possible to actually grow younger on the inside. If you don't believe me, I introduce Ellis Warren to you, okay? He's getting older on the outside, but on the inside, he's getting younger every day. Amen, Peggy? <laughs> he just testified. That's right, brother. That's right. Listen, Paul refers to our... I'm not saying anybody else's name the rest of the service. Paul refers to our outer man. He says our outer man is perishing, but our inner man is not. And actually, the word there literally means decay. He says our outer man is decaying. That's what houses do. Over time, houses decay, right? The, the paint gets chipped. The old things begin to fall apart. The plumbing has to be replaced. Look, the truth is you can repaint your house. You can repair your house. You can refinish your house. You can refurbish your house. You can strengthen the hinges. You can replace the doors. But that house that you live in is going to de decay. This house that you live in is going to decay. But that also, if you're like me and you ask these questions, if we have this decaying house, the question is why? Why did God put us in a house that's going to de decay? Why did God put us in a body that begins dying from the time that we move into it? Well, because the body, this body was never meant to be your final place. Look at this next slide. God never wants us to be totally at home in this home, for this home is not our home. God never wants us to be fully comfortable in this home because this home is not our home. Look at the next slide. Your body has an expiration date, but your soul has a moving date. This body is going to expire, but the inward you, your soul is going to live forever somewhere. One day our body is going to expire and our souls are going to be evicted. And we're going to move out. We're going to die. Number two, write this down. But we will exist supernaturally, and we'll do that forever. Uh, there's no such thing, even whether you're saved or not. I'm talking about the life of the believer tonight, but whether you go to hell or whether you go to heaven, you will exist forever somewhere. There's these annihilationists. They believe that uh, when you die apart from Christ, you just cease existing. And I think they do that because that sounds better than an eternity in hell, and they're trying to do God a favor and make him you know, somehow seem nicer or something like that. You just don't find that in Scripture. That's just not what the Bible teaches. We will exist supernaturally somewhere. So the big question is, when our heart takes its last uh, 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 makes its last beat, uh, beat, we breathe our last breath, our eyes see no more, our ears hear no more, our mouth speaks no more. At that moment, what happens? Listen, there are two things that happen. And so I'm going to talk about both of these, but I'm going to do them in reverse order. There's something that happens immediately, and there's something that's going to happen ultimately after you die. And I'm going to take those in reverse order. Look in your Bible at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. Again, Paul says, We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So this is referring to something else other than this house that's decaying, right? Other than this house. He says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Ultimately, we're going to have a brand new resurrection body. Can I get an amen? I'm looking forward to that. Oh, my left foot hurts, my right knee, my right shoulder, my back, and my other knee decides to catch up and start hurting too. How about you? Right? I'm looking forward to a brand new, resurrected, souped up, souped up, slimmer, sleeker, more aerodynamic model of, I don't know. 
It's going to, listen, it's going to be a totally different body than the body that you have now. Here our body is an earthly house. There it will be an eternal home. This body is mortal. That body will be immortal. This body is vulnerable. That body will be invincible. This body can never get sick and die. That body will live forever and be healthy and live on and on. This body's not going to be man-made, made by God, uh, man's hands. It's going to be made by God's hands. It's not going to be a natural body. It's a supernatural body. Look at what he says in verse 2, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 2. He says, for in this we groan. Wasn't that what I was just doing? Groaning. My feet hurt. Right? Earnestly designed to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. This body is not made on earth. It's made in heaven. It's not going to be subject to the physical laws. It's going to be subject to heavenly laws, which means we'll no longer be chained, chained up with the chains of mortality. Sin cannot corrupt it and death cannot kill it. Can you imagine how good it's going to be when there's no more need for checkups because we're always going to be healthy? There's going to be no more need for exercise. Praise the Lord. No more need for exercise because we're always going to be in shape. No need for medicine because you're never going to be sick. And there's no need for beds because we're never going to be tired. People, are we going to eat in heaven? I hope so. But there won't be any beds, I don't think. Now, I just realized that I opened up a, a Pandora's box of questions. If, you're, if you think kind of like I do which probably go through your mind because I'm always asking questions when I read Scripture. So what's this new body going to look like? With this new body, what's it going to feel like? What color is it going to be? Right? I mean, have you thought about that? Right? White people think you're going to be white. Black people think, no, I hope you're green. Amen? Just a weird green. And we're, we're like, well, there goes Scott, old green Scott. Look at him over there. What color will it be? Right? What texture, is, what's it going to feel like? Are we going to look like we look now? And I can, I can answer all those questions with three words. I don't know. I don't have a clue. Now, actually, I do believe we're going to look like ourselves. I think you're going to be you. And I think everybody's going to know that it's you. I had this conversation with somebody recently, and they were kind of asking, uh, they were talking about recognizing each other in heaven. I want you to know, I believe with all my heart, you will recognize. Matter of fact, you're going to know everybody in heaven. Because we, in, in Scripture, we have these moments where somebody gets a glimpse of heaven, or somebody in heaven comes on down. You know, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples, they knew exactly who that, oh, it's Elijah. They knew who it was. They never met him, but they knew. And I think you're going to know too. So I think you're going to look like you just better. Amen? I mean, but well, maybe not. Maybe you'll be green like Scott for all of eternity. What I do know is, <laughs> that's what happens when you're late. What I do know is, is that we will be completely satisfied for all of eternity with these souped up supernatural bodies that God is going to give us. We'll never even think about having plastic surgery. There won't be any need for Photoshop, touch-ups, makeup, Botox. There will be no Instagram or Snapchat filters to make us look good as new. This new body is going to be tailor-made, custom-fit, made by God, and absolutely perfect and pain-free in every single way. And I can't wait. How about you? Now, number three, write this down. I already alluded to this, but we're going to live eternally. It's going to be a supernatural body, but it's going to be eternal as well. Again, I'm kind of rewinding. What happens the moment that you die? What can we expect the moment that we die? Paul leaves no doubt. Look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look at verse number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6. 
Paul says, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are home in the body, this house, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Listen, when a follower dies, does he go into this thing that you hear about called soul sleep? where you just sleep in the grave until the the resurrection? Absolutely not. That's not a thing. It's not a real thing that you'll find in the Bible. The moment that you die, you're instantly transported into the presence of Jesus. Do you go through purgatory uh, purgatory first so that you can kind of burn off whatever extra sins Jesus didn't take care of for you? Absolutely not. You go straight to be in the presence of Jesus Christ immediately, the moment you take your last breath. Listen, understand something. It's it's this point in time where you've left your old house and you're kind of in that moving van. You haven't moved into your new house yet. Does that make sense? Have you ever moved and all your stuff's on the truck and all that stuff? Well, it's going to be kind of like that without the back aches and all the junk, okay? And you're moving from one house into a new house that God has for you. And there's going to be this time in between where you're going to be with Christ instantaneously. Instantaneously, The moment that you die, you're going to be present with him, but you will not have received your resurrected body. Yet, everybody gets to move into their new house. Everybody's going to move in at the same time. At the same moment, move-in day is the exact same moment for all believers of all time. Everybody's getting their resurrected body at the exact same moment. So it's at the exact same moment, I'm getting my sleek, beautiful, souped-up, resurrected body aerodynamic. Scott's getting that fat, ugly green one that he's going to spend all of each time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's going to be green, though. I believe it by faith. Right? We're speaking, we're speaking it, we're blabbing it and grabbing it. Amen. But listen, we're going to get our resurrected body. It doesn't matter. Uh, my great granddaddy who died a hundred years ago, he'll get his resurrected body the exact same moment that I will get mine. What I told you a moment ago is what ultimately happens when you die, but immediately, look at this slide. Your spirit, when you die, your spirit leaves your body and goes to be with the Lord. That's what scripture teaches. Uh, that's what the Bible tells us. Uh, think about what Jesus said when he died, breathed that last breath on the cross. Luke 23, verse 46, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my body, my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. He didn't commit his body because his body was still on the cross. He committed his spirit. And think about that thief that we talked about in the service this morning. Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus said to that thief, Assuredly, I say to you, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. It's, it's, listen, it's a direct trip. He didn't say, you know, uh, today you'll be with me in paradise or next week you'll be. He, I mean, he said, today you'll be with me. Not after you go through purgatory. Not after you go into your grave and sleep it off for a little while. A couple of hundred years of sleep. And then I'll call you out of the grave and you'll do this soul sleep or purgatory Today you will be with me in paradise. That thief's body is still in the ground somewhere. But someday, with the same moment that I'm going to get mine, that thief's body is going to be resurrected and God is going to give us our eternal home. You know, Woody Allen famously said, I'm not afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Right? I understand that. But I want you to know this, the moment that I die, I won't be there when it happens. I won't. 
I'll be gone, long gone. If I were to drop dead right now, I'll be with Jesus Christ before my body hits the ground. And Scott's kind of, come on, do it. Amen? That's what gives me such comfort. That's how I, don't, I, I, that's how I get through preaching funerals for believers. That's how I get through. And one of my favorite parts is the graveside. You get to that graveside, and you get to share that biblical uh, truth. They ain't here. But someday, this is going to be busted open, and their spirit's in heaven, and their spirit's going to be reunited with that resurrected body, that perfect body, and we're all going to spend eternity together forever and ever in heaven. They're not here. You don't have to mourn them. Of course we do, and of course it hurts for us, but they're not. It's impossible to bury a follower of Jesus. They're not there. They're with Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We bury their body, but we don't bury them. They're with Jesus. Uh, I heard about a guy one time who died by the name of Mr. Pease. Mr. Pease, on his tombstone, they wrote these words, Beneath these clouds and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Pease. But this ain't Pease. It's just the pod. Pease shelled out and went to God. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. That's what happens. We immediately go to the presence of the Lord. That's why we shouldn't ever fear death. Because listen, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5. Listen what we read. He says, now he, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Who's prepared us for it? God has. And he's given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Right? And that's why we're groaning and where we can't wait. Because he's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. From the time you drew your first breath and gave your life to Christ, God has been preparing you to spend an eternity with him. And everything, can I just say this briefly? This is not really part of my sermon, so um, feel free to tip your waiters, okay? Listen, Christian, if you're a Christian, you're a believer. I want you to hear me on this. Man, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. It's, yeah, we, you might hurt, and there's going to be sorrow, and there's people that you miss. It's going to be okay. He's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. It's all going to work out. You don't have to worry so much. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to feel like you're mourning alone. He has given you the Holy Spirit. As a guarantee, it's all going to work out. It's going to work out greater and better and grander than we could ever even imagine. It's going to work out. For our place in eternity has been decided, this place uh, for all of eternity. This place, this house, temporary. This isn't the end, and it was never meant to be the end. You don't have to consult a fortune teller or a Ouija board or an astrologer or a deck of cards to find out what lies on the other side of this life. God has told us all we will ever need to know. Now listen again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. He says, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know, people sometimes they ask, Where's heaven? Now, I'm gonna be honest with you, I believe heaven's a physical place. And uh, I heard a Dr. Adrian Rogers preaching this one time about true north and all of that, and it's awesome. So, 
Google Adrian Rogers, where is heaven or something. Maybe you'll find that sermon. It's really good. It's worth your time listening to. So I believe that heaven is a physical place. It's literally somewhere that you could point to. It's real. When you get to heaven, you're going to be standing on solid ground. Does that make sense? You're not going to be floating around like something you saw in a movie. It's a, but people ask all the time, where is heaven? I mean, I can't say. But ultimately, look at this next slide. What makes heaven heaven? Jesus. What makes it worth it all? Jesus. Uh, who made it all and is preparing a place for us? Jesus. And if that's where he is, that's where I want to be. And while I know he's got a plan for my life now, and I'm not in a hurry or anything like that, I'm going to be honest, I can't wait to get there. Right? Where the circle will be unbroken. By and by, Lord, by and by. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. The comfort we find in the truth that we don't have to be afraid. That we don't have to be scared. Lord, that you've given us the answers. What happens when I die? Lord, that if I've trusted you, I go to be with you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit as a promise and a guarantee. That God, that I'm never alone. I'm never on my own. And even maybe in the scariest moment, you are there with me. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Maybe you're a believer here tonight, and maybe there's just something you need to give to God, right? We've talked about what happens when I die, and you recognize this life is temporary. What we're going to do on this side of eternity is temporary and short. Is there a heartache that you need to give to God? Is there some sin, something you need to do business with? Something. Is there a fear that you need to give to God? Is there something? Believer, you give it to him. He's worthy. He's trustworthy. And he can do great things in your life when you're fully surrendered to him. But maybe you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we're talking about what's going to happen in eternity, what's going to happen the moment you die. And we've been looking at it through the lens of being a believer. But if you're not, if you're not, there's going to come that time where you stand in judgment before Almighty God. And He's not going to find you innocent and blameless. He's going to judge you as a sinner. And the result of that is you're going to spend eternity in hell apart from your Creator who loved you and died to save you. So right now, if you don't know that you know that you have Jesus Christ, that you have Him and He has you, why don't you right now in your seat, right there, why don't you just pray a prayer like this? Just acknowledge, God, I'm a sinner. I've not done business with you, not really. Lord, I repent. I turn from my sin, and I'm asking you to save me. Save me, Jesus. Pray. Tell him, say, God, I want that guarantee in my heart that you're with me. Lord, I'm putting all my faith and trust in you. All of me, I surrender to all of you. Your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Pray that prayer. And when you do, make that decision public, like we talked about this morning. If at some point you've prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe your baptism occurred before that, or maybe you've never been baptized, you need to come, and we'll schedule that for you and pray with you and rejoice with you so that you can be obedient to Christ and follow through in baptism. 
Maybe you're here tonight and God is calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. Life is short. So whatever God is calling you to do, do it. So if he's calling you to serve here, grow here, plant your roots deep here at Grace Baptist, you need to do that. And during this invitation, maybe there's some other business you need to deal with God about. Maybe, maybe you just need to take a moment and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But whatever it is, be honest with yourself and be honest with God. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for your many blessings, Lord, and we surrender this invitation to you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Oh.